Persien crucis, denimicis nostris, libri nullus Deus noster, in avani pati filii santi. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As we begin our prayer this morning, we can consider a brief uh, comment from Pope Francis from a few years ago when he was talking about the saints. And uh, he associates the saints always with a choice of God, that they respond to a choice that God has made of them. He says, this was in a homily in 2014, he says, God chooses certain people so that we might see more clearly the reality of sanctity so that we might see that it is He who sanctifies. This is the first rule of sanctity. Christ must increase and we must decrease. When we think about our vocation, it's a vocation from God so that He might increase and that we might decrease, that it is He who sanctifies and when he sanctifies, when he does the work, well, suddenly all the pressure goes away because he is doing it. It's a little bit like we'll see in today's gospel, the gospel of Martha and Mary. Martha is uptight and doing so many things, good things, you know, getting ready food and boiling the water and making sure the plates are clean. Probably she had them in the warmer too. There was a lot of pressure on her getting all this done and ready at the last minute. I can imagine that timing is very important. You don't want the chicken to arrive there cold. So there was pressure. But when the Lord says, Por unum est necessarium, there's only one thing that is necessary. In some ways, he was saying, it is me who is doing it. It is me who is the most important. It's as though suddenly she was at ease. She was doing everything before. Now she's letting him do it. And this is what we want to consider this morning in our prayer, that we have to have initiative in our vocation to sanctity, but that ultimately it is He who is doing it. Our vocation is a vocation to sanctity. But it gives us a lot of peace to consider that, okay, it's not me that has to build up everything. I just have to have the initiative to listen and to let Him do it. And this changes everything, changes our whole attitude to life if we really allow 
sanctity to be the central focus of our life, of our vocation. I read about a mother in the U.S. who had a large, fairly large family, and when she was pregnant with her fourth child, a, a friend of hers invited her to a, a conference center to go and do a retreat with the work. And she was quite a good Catholic, and she already knew that she had a vocation to sanctity in marriage. She kind of like knew that, like she was not, you know, she had a good, presumably a good formation. But then she said that at this retreat, I don't know if it was the talks or the meditations, for sure it was the meditations, but uh, <laughs> no, I don't know if, what caused it, but she said she started reading Our Father and uh, and she suddenly understood that motherhood, in her case, started to take on a new texture and a new meaning. She knew it already, but now the texture was getting more ingrained and more detailed. And she understood that this was really her way to God. It was a vocation to sanctity in a way that she had not completely seen before, though she had seen it. It's like the lights went on or something. It, it was a kind of like in the moment, have you ever seen the movie The Wizard of Oz? It's a famous classic from 1939 with Judy Garland. And there's a scene where in, in the story she's living, she's living in Kansas and there's a big tornado coming onto her farm and she's trying to, she's trying to run away from this terrible tornado with her little dog Toto and uh, She's trying to get into this storm shelter that they have, but she doesn't make it on time. The storm is overtaking her, and so she ends up going to this nearby uh, farmhouse, and she, well, she gets in, the glass smashes, she's knocked out, and uh, this tornado lifts up the entire house and drops it in an unknown land, right? this fantasy land. It's called Munchkin Land, right? or in the land of Oz. That's, that's the story. So she gets up, she wakes up, and she's, she's in Munchkin Land. And this mother said, I found myself in Munchkin Land. <laughs> and uh, she said, suddenly my day became technicolor and purposeful. Motherhood had a new meaning for me. I saw how my motherhood was God's call to me to bring these children into the world, teaching them to love, to honor him, forming them in human and supernatural virtues and living the corporal and spiritual works of mercy every day in the haven of my home. And the haven of her home was a, like a technicolor movie like The Wizard of Oz. In those days, to have a movie in color, in technicolor, was a big deal. It was a modern, I don't know, invention. It was something really new often movies would be advertised in full technicolor, right? Like, okay, big deal for us today, but in those days, a movie in color was, was quite something. And in this movie, uh, Dorothy is the main character. She goes down this yellow brick road, as you see her go down, and it was yellow, so it was very striking. And she's on her way to the uh, Emerald City, and on the way, she, she meets the scarecrow who, who wants a brain, 
she meets the tin man remember the tin man who who desires a heart he has no heart and then she meets a lion who pretends to be ferocious at first but he's actually quite cowardly she just poof goes like that and he he starts whining he completely lacks courage you know, they they're all seeking something profound in their life and they just go down the yellow brick road and they dance and they sing it's really it's kind of cheesy when you look at it today but uh, but it has a deeper meaning and isn't it true that there are young people around us that are in search of a heart that are in search of courage that are in search of formation to have a real brain have something in their in their brain and we can ask ourselves am i going down the yellow road am i really searching for the beautiful things of my vocation and dorothy in this movie faces all kinds of adventures with her friends but she wants to go home to kansas she wants to go home and uh, she meets this good witch glinda who tells her how to get home and after a beautiful farewell to her friends and these instructions she has to tap her heels twice and ends up there and she sings there's no place like home and upon doing that she suddenly gets back to where she's originally from from Kansas and for us there's really no place for us like the work to go along this this path of sanctity this yellow brick road that highlights our way as we go home as we go towards our eternal home this is where our eternal and divine call is it awaits us every day as we wake up it awaked we got awoken today and we are called to that pathway of sanctity today and uh, we must say yes to this this beautiful path how often have i have i said yes consciously to this pathway to sanctity to this vocation to sanctity how often have i kind of taken responsibility for this along this road in the movie dorothy suddenly is thrown into this marvelous universe this this munchkin land right? and there are all these little munchkins around and and yet she she travels along it she's not afraid and for us there is no place like the work it's really for us the best place to live and the best place to die because we have said yes say joseph he said yes to god he saw that his strength came from his prayer but his prayer is always what led to a deep sense of mission in what he did protecting the blessed virgin protecting the child it's in his prayer that he saw his purpose this that this was his divine vocation that God wanted to, for him. And if we have a deep sense of vocation, a deep sense that God is calling, our life is like technicolor. Nothing can stop us. 
Mary too, our Blessed Mother? She said yes. She was very young, and probably before the angel called her or came to announce to her, she must have had inklings before. She in some way understood that something was up. She seemed to be strangely attentive to the slightest movements uh, of the Holy Spirit in her life. In fact, had it not been for that, probably she might not have picked up on the angel coming in. I would suspect that part of the inklings of, of God or that God gave her before the Annunciation were, would have been how she noticed the beauty of the natural world around her. Pro- probably more than her peers, probably more than the people around her. She would have been very uh, balanced, yet she had a merciful heart in front of all the sin that she would have seen around her. She heard probably in discussions around her stories of wars. Uh, She would have heard about uh, the assaults of the Roman legions uh, in different regions. She would have heard about her people, the people of God, the chosen race being led out of Egypt by Moses so that they could not just leave Egypt, but to go and worship as God had wanted for them. All those words, the chosen people of God, Moses leading the people, all those words must have resonated in her heart in a deep way that she was part of God's special flock. How she must have given thanks for that. That she was part of the people of Israel. That they were described as the apple of God's eye. And that scene of the Annunciation, the six months, and the six months that Gabriel appeared to Mary, the scene that we meditate on every day when we say the rosary, that scene was a scene that Don Alvaro loved to meditate on and loved to consider. And I remember when I was in Rome, we got news of the oncoming uh, beatification of our father. It was a very big deal. It was kind of still hard for us to believe that our father was actually getting beatified. And uh, many preparations had to be done it seemed like, you know, there was just a lot to do because everybody knew there would be literally hundreds of thousands of people and any big event like that takes a lot of preparation and logistics. And Don Alvaro kind of monitored all that, but one thing that he did is he wrote us a long letter from March 1992. I think it was, yeah, March 19, 1992. And it was all about the mysteries of the rosary. And I think it's one of the most beautiful letters he ever wrote because he goes through each one of the mysteries and he he contemplates or he he comments on them. And at the beginning of the letter, he comments on, on the mystery of Our Lady's vocation in the Annunciation, that she too was chosen by God. 
she had been chosen from eternity to be the mother of the Savior, and that God had preserved her from all stain of sin and filled her with grace from the very first instance. And so the angel says, Hail, full of grace. And on hearing those words, the Blessed Virgin fully understood her divine vocation. That's the connection he makes. On hearing those words, that's what she understood, her divine vocation. When we hear the words of God, when we do our prayer, ultimately the most important thing for us to hear or to understand is our divine vocation, our, our vocation to sanctity, our vocation in the work. And that's what clicked really when she first saw the angel. In some way, the actual announcement of the incarnation, not that it was secondary, but obviously it was important, but, but already the most important thing had connected, that she had that divine vocation to be the mother of God. She had a call. So no matter what that call was, she, she was going to be faithful. And we can think now or picture the angel appearing to her and telling her about her mission, about her role. And the first thing the angel said was, you are full of grace. In, in Greek, not that she had received grace. That's not what the angel said. He said, you are full of grace. She was fully prepared by God. Holy born by God's grace. And so when the angel says, hail full of grace, like hail, it wasn't like, hello, how's it going? It's, it's not just a simple greeting. It's a profound affirmation of her divine vocation. And we too, how strong we become, how stable, how solid when we are profoundly confirmed and affirmed in our divine vocation which can come from outside, which can come from somebody saying it to us. But ultimately, it has to be reaffirmed in someone. I remember somebody years and years ago who was always waffling about their vocation. Do I have a vocation? Do I not? And they couldn't make the decision whether or not they had it. And um, this was a very good person. They had their qualities. And they, for many years, they were a cooperator, and they couldn't decide. And I just, one day, was speaking to them. And I just, like, it just came out. It's one of those things, it just comes out of your mouth, you know. And I said, well, I think you have a vocation. And there was this silence. I think you have a vocation. And it's as though it was an affirmation that this person needed. And then suddenly, every all the things fell kind of fell together and it was an affirmation you know, about a truth I mean it was obvious but still you know but, and then after that moment uh, this person understood what God wanted even though it was like right there in her face the whole time and this we have to we have to bathe ourselves in this vocation as well when the angel says full of grace it's an unusual form, you know, a greeting. He's revealing Mary's very special dignity and her honor. And the fathers of the church taught that this singular, solemn, and unheard of greeting, 
Kariike Tomene, the hail full of grace, it showed that all the divine graces now reposed on the Mother of God and that she was adorned with all these gifts of the Holy Spirit, which meant that she was never subject to the curse, to sin. She was preserved from all sin. And is it, it is time for us to come to the, really to the full realization of what this grace really was and how special she really was, the mother of God and our mother. She was, as Donavro would say, God's masterpiece. So we too have to consider God's choice in our life and be amazed by it. Amazed that God has chosen us and that that choice is not simply a choice, but it is a choice for sanctity that we must embrace and make it really, you could say that, deeply part of our life. You know, that's what I was chosen for. That's what I was, exist for. As St. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, God has chosen us before the foundation of the world so that we be holy and blameless in his sight. That's what amazed Don Alvaro, and that's what he commented, that God chose us first, and only then, or after, did he create us to fulfill that call. Imagine, you're called first, and only after you come into existence. We were chosen before we existed. And, and in fact, that choice determines the reason for our existence. And uh, we ask uh, our, our Lady to intercede for us today uh, so that we become a little bit more conscious of that. Our Father became very conscious of it when he saw the footprints in the snow. And when you think about it, our Father was not so much touched by writings, uh, by, I don't know, reading the Fathers of the Church. Uh, some people read great texts of the saints and stuff and then they they are somehow led to God by that but but our father just saw some footprints and and he had a, a simple deep impression it's almost as though it were a visual thing that this touched him as he saw those footprints in the snow he understood our Lord was saying what about you somebody has been heroic enough to walk to the church barefoot when it's cold walking in the snow unprotected out of love for God because they were going to the chapel they were going to pray and then not only that they would be in the chapel and it would be cold there too and they would probably be shivering and uh, it's as though our, our father had a kind of empathy for that person an empathy, poor guy, poor person who has to do this, walk in the snow with barefoot. But that empathy transformed itself uh, into into a, an acknowledgement that God was asking him something too, but he didn't yet know what. So we can ask ourselves too, what, what am I touched by? How does empathy in my life affect me? When were you last touched? I heard of a priest who was 
very touched one day. He was at a camp of some sort. Um, I don't know if it was Chipney Camp, but uh, I don't know. It was in Spain. And he was, he was there, the chaplain, and there was a lady taking care of uh, the meals and so forth. And she came to him in a very kind of uh, obsequious way and, 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 and almost very endearing. And she said, Father, I don't know if it's okay, but I, I'm just wondering if it's okay, if you don't mind, if it's okay. But I thought maybe if you think it's okay, um, I, got, I cut down some sunflowers and I put them in a vase. And I thought maybe, if you, if you think it's okay, um, to put them at the altar, you know? And, uh, and that would decorate the altar when you celebrate Mass. Because that way, she said, when you raise the host, the sunflowers, well, they look at the sun, right? And Jesus is the sun, the sun of the universe, and, and they'll look at him. And he was like, whoa, this, this lady is uh, like, she's completely, you know, ahead of me there and he was uh, he was quite moved to see you know, that her thought was that just as sunflowers move with the sun you know from morning to you know in the morning they go to the east I guess and in the uh, in the afternoon in the west and they move and they move with the sun and she thought that well they'll move when you raise the host in the holy mass they'll move and uh, he said yes 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 go do it do it you know and he was quite touched, so he was moved by that. You know, that touched him. And it was an occasion for him to, to be more faithful to his vocation, but especially in some ways more uh, faith-filled in the real presence. And this is really what we ask of our, our Lord today, that we be more faithful, faith-filled in the reality of God's call in our life, God's call specifically to that sanctity that He wants from us. So that we too can be impressed by that call. Like our father was impressed by the footprints in the snow. That priest was impressed by the simple words of that lady. And that God has a, has a real a project for us concretized in the mission of the church a place in the church and that we are strengthened by this sense of mission the mission to ourselves to be saints and to help others to be saints to help others towards sanctity to help others sanctify their daily work their spirit of service that's what I was chosen for Lord and I ask our, our blessed mother to intercede for me so that I too become more deeply conscious of the beauty of this call, but also more deeply conscious of my responsibility to correspond and to have initiative really, really every day. From the moment I get up to the moment I go to bed, it's part of that, well, that yellow brick road leading to heaven. And our, our, our Blessed Mother will intercede for us. And thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you all to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.